do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and the new energy economy, especially seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at electric vehicle charging services company Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia, and we're recording this in rainy Bratislava right now. When we started in 2011, it was lonely being in electric mobility, especially in this part of the world. There were not a lot of actors, not a lot of cars. But now, the electric mobility revolution has really begun, and there is a lot to talk about. The transition to electric vehicles is happening faster or slower, depending on where you live. But it's going to have a huge impact on our cities and our communities, our environment and our energy systems, and how we use and relate to our cars. Once electric vehicles become a mass market item, which could be as soon as 2040 or 2050, so really less than 25 years from now and possibly a lot, lot sooner, the changes are going to be massive and they're going to affect absolutely everybody in the towns and cities, wherever you live. So that's why we started Electric Avenue. For all of you who have no idea what an electric vehicle is but are EV curious, for all of you who've never seen one but have heard some story on the news, and for professionals and experts in the industry hungering for more debate and discussion on these emerging topics like we are. It's great to finally be here because we've been wanting to launch this initiative for a long time. There's a lot to talk about. We're working in the industry every single day. And we get questions from customers and drivers like, can I charge in the rain? And of course, the always most popular, how far will my EV go? Of course, we also are working with other experts in energy companies, battery manufacturers and government agencies. And so we're dealing with it all, the whole range of questions and queries and people involved in the supply chain and all of it in a Central and Eastern European context. It's a great mix. And there is a lot to talk about. So over the course of these episodes, we're going to bring in guests and experts who can bring more light on each topic and we can have some really interesting discussions with. We want to have some laughs, share our experiences and theirs, and make some new friends along the Electric Avenue. Now, I keep saying we, so let me introduce my boss, co-host, Peter Bodick, who co-founded Greenway back in the ice age of electric mobility here in 2011, after a successful exit from a solar company. So Peter... After successfully founding and exiting a company, what led you to want to dive into electric mobility? Well, uh, it was a nice story when we finished the solar initiatives, solar business, we were looking around what to do next. And uh, uh, there was a lot of things which we learned and we believe in a new energy system, which consists of renewables, energy storage, uh, electric vehicles, uh, smart grids. And we simply choose electric vehicles as one of the choice where we would like to be in. And we'd like to explore how to make it real and make it real here in Central and Eastern Europe. So what was the actual first step? I mean, imagine someone listening is really interested in our field, a young entrepreneur wants to start something. What was your first step in entering e-mobility? In fact, it was quite different to what we do now. We start to work with uh, electric vans for delivery of goods. And we believe that this is a place where electric vehicles should be. And we still believe in that. 
are nevertheless, we then a little bit change uh, the scope of the business. And at the moment, the Greenway is fully dedicated to providing charging services because we believe this is something which needs to be here, needs to be in place in order to secure the very strong rollout of electric vehicles. And what was the first step you took when you wanted to found Greenway? The first step, I tried to convince the people around me that this is, makes sense because it was not so obvious back in 2011. In fact, as you said, it was the ice age and most of the people didn't believe that this could really go big and uh, foresee the future. And do you see it similar now? I think the world is completely different. I think everybody believes that electric vehicles are here, they are coming, it's inevitable. There could be a dispute how quickly it could happen, but the track is very clear. So that was Peter, wonderful guy. And maybe you can hear it in my voice. I am not native Slovak. I'm American, and I came to Europe a few years ago for love. Not love of electric vehicles, at least not initially. Love of a woman who's now my wife. And then since then, I have gotten very involved in electric vehicles and electric mobility. Greenway grabbed me up too, and it's a wonderful relationship, and I hope it lasts for much longer. I'm certainly very into electric vehicles now and use them as often as possible. In fact, Peter, how did you get to the studio this morning? Uh, well, obviously by electric vehicle. Oh, I came on the tram. What kind of vehicle do you drive? I use the smallest one I'm probably on the market, which is Volkswagen E-Up. And I like it because it's a really a pure mobility. There is nothing else just moving forward and backward. Great thing. And do you have trouble parking in the city? Not at all, because it's such a small and I can park it almost anywhere. That's absolutely wonderful. You know, I'm trying to convince my mother-in-law to get an electric vehicle. Her lifestyle is perfectly suited for it, but there is some uh, hesitation on her part. And I think a lot of it is just cultural and a sense of security. So I think this is something we constantly need to be breaking down and challenging, right? Do you agree? Yeah, yeah sure. That's our job. I think the part of the security thing is uh, the driving range. But in fact, if you look on a driving range, the combination of size of your battery and uh, availability of a charging network. So we cannot so much influence the size of the battery. It's in the hands of the OEMs and car producers. But what we can influence is the availability of a charging network. So that's what we do. And also how people we know, friends and family, feel about electric vehicles too, I think. That's another story. We call it uh, evangelization. So we try to talk about the electric mobility, about electric vehicles. And I have to say that I saw in my professional life many, many people doing virgin drive in electric vehicle. The first drive ever, either as a driver or just to sit there. And I can say maybe 90% of those people were very surprised and positively surprised. I don't know so many products in the world uh, has a, such a good first recognition. I call it Sunday lunch. We sit around over schnitzel and I try to convince my mother-in-law to get an electric vehicle. So we want to spend the next few minutes talking about the e-mobility landscape in some of the countries here in Central and Eastern Europe. We're going to start with Slovakia, where we are right now, and the country we know best and the country we work in, and our neighbor to the south, Hungary. But in future episodes, we're going to look at other countries in the region where there's still plenty going on and they warrant their own discussions. So, Peter, here we are in Slovakia, a country of 5.4 million people, roughly. And how have you seen the electric vehicle situation develop from where it was when you started to where we are today? First of all, the general mood and general perception of the topic is different. As we said, people don't think that the electric vehicles is something crazy or unrational. People believe that this is something which is going to happen. I think if you look on the customers, it's not different to the rest of Europe or the rest of the world. So a large portion of the people are thinking about electric vehicle having as a next 
one, but all of them are obviously thinking about all these things regarding range, price, safety, and so on. So in this respect, I think Slovaks are not different to the other people in Europe and maybe in the world. What is definitely different is um, maybe the national policy uh, to support electric vehicles. And what is different is as well the action of car producers and importers and dealers in this manner. So uh, there is a lot of things to do. Yeah. I mean, everyone is price sensitive, right? I mean, everyone has to look at if it's something they can afford and does it fit their lifestyle. But the availability of vehicles is a huge challenge. I mean, there's only five models you can buy in Slovakia at all right now, as I understand it. That's true. And that's a very big difference to the world of traditional vehicles. You have about 350 models available on the market and you have a five of electric of them. So we get used to to have a huge variety of uh, cars which we can choose from. And if there is only five of them, obviously that's something which is not helpful for the demand. So I think what we need here and I think everywhere basically in Europe is to have more models very soon. And we need to have produced them in large quantities because despite the fact we have these five models available, the actual numbers they are selling is very, very low because they are not in a stock. They are not selling there. So when you got your E-Up, Did you walk into a dealer, a Volkswagen dealer in Slovakia and talk with the dealer or how did you get it? It was a bit different situation because we was approached by the dealer because we were known that we are dealing with this topic. But if you do so, if you just do a try and go to the dealership, and I encourage everybody to go and try to just to ask about electric vehicles, unfortunately, very often you will find people who don't know anything about it or have very limited information and uh, very often try to convince you to get a traditional car despite the fact they have electric in the portfolio. Yeah, you know, there's an interesting article that was recently in the journal, I think it was Science Nature or Nature Science. But anyway, I think it was a peer-reviewed article and it looked at the case of the United Kingdom, which is one of the largest electric vehicle markets in Europe, and how the dealers there were disincentivized and uneducated about selling electric vehicles. So in most cases, they defaulted to ultimately trying to sell a new customer a combustion engine vehicle. It's what they knew, and it's where they, the lowest barrier to that transaction. That's indeed the true. And what OEMs and, and importers and those who are selling the electric vehicles have to do is not only to produce the good electric vehicles for a good price with good range, but as well to set up the whole network and all other processes around that. That's what we are talking about. We are talking about the dealerships where there will be electric vehicles available for a test. The best things to convince people for electric vehicles is to make them a try. And that's what is missing. You go to the dealership, they do not have electric vehicle at all, so you cannot test it, and they should have one. Well, we'll make sure to keep talking about this topic on episodes to come. So what about the infrastructure situation here in Slovakia? What's that like? I think in general, there is a perception that infrastructure in Central and Eastern Europe is missing, but I don't think it's a true, in fact. If you look on the ratio between the electric vehicles and infrastructure, we are quite good on it. Actually, that we have a lot of infrastructure comparing to the very low number of electric vehicles. It's naturally that we need to continue. We need to build more and we need to extend that, but without any doubt. But uh, the infrastructure, the basic infrastructure is already here, at least since, let's say, one or two years. It's not a bottleneck for development of electric mobility. But what does that mean? The basic infrastructure is already here. Basic infrastructure, in my view, is that you are able to travel around the country as well. Our company built the what we call the nationwide network of charging infrastructure or fast chargers around Slovakia and Poland. So you can really get the car from one part of the country to another one without stops or lengthy stops somewhere. But as I said, it's only a basic. So it definitely doesn't fit all needs of the EV drivers and needs to be extended further. A friend of ours, Gavin Shoebridge, also known as the Kiwi EV, famously raced a person on a train 
He was in an electric vehicle. Someone else was on a train and they were racing from one end of Slovakia to the other. And the price was dinner or maybe they went all the way to the Ukraine. Anyway, I think he lost, if I recall, but just by a hair. And certainly he was able to make it to pay for that dinner. So he traveled the country in almost as long as it took the train to travel the country as well. It was not so obvious a few years ago when we came to the Poland, which is a country of 40 million people. There was a six fast charges. And when our CEO bought the electric vehicle in the south of the country and wants to bring it to the north and took uh, three days, actually, and his grandfather had to do it because he, he's already retired. So he had the time to travel and spend nights in the hotels and charge the vehicle during the night. So this is a past. As I said, basic infrastructure already exists so we can travel all around, but there is a lot of things to do. Well, I don't own a car. I uh, use public transit a lot. But if I do, when I get one, an electric vehicle, I'll have my mother-in-law drive it to me wherever it is to help break her down yet a little bit more. Um, we'll cover Poland in a later episode for sure. But let's just uh, finish talking about Slovakia here. Where do you think Slovakia will be in about five years time regarding electric vehicles, ownership, mentality and charging infrastructure? First of all, I believe in five years there will be more electric vehicles available and it's really up to OEMs to bring them as well to this part of the world. And uh, I think it will become just a very natural and common product. And I think if we reach that point that something within the five years we'll see some kind of a tipping point where demand for electric vehicles will increase significantly everywhere. If you look on old studies, if you look on surveys, there are people thinking about electric vehicles having as a second car or next car to buy. And um, if they are available, I think they will just do that. And you can have a look on Norway, for example, where they reach certain tipping point and now they are selling more than 50% of all new cars electric. And I think this is something which could happen everywhere in the world. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the Norway example, there's a lot we can learn from it, but they seem to have invested heavily in charging infrastructure first, as well as providing lots of incentives for people to buy vehicles so that the charging would not be a concern or a bottleneck to prevent people from buying cars themselves. I mean, I know in Slovakia that Greenway operates 30 DC fast charging stations that are all publicly accessible, um, plus a few AC slow chargers at hotels and restaurants. And now you see that uh, Slovnoft gas station owned by Mole Group, they are getting into the electric vehicle charging business a little bit. They have at least one fast charger. I know the first ultra fast charger was launched actually just two days ago on a highway in central Slovakia. Greenway has plans to launch ultra fast chargers. Greenway has two battery-assisted fast-charging locations where there's fast chargers connected to auxiliary battery packs to provide grid flexibility and cheaper charging options. Bila has at least two chargers, and I'm sure there are a few other private networks, not to mention individual AC stations that are owned. So it does seem like there's a decent mix for a relatively small country. And if you consider this the beginning, not the end, it's a pretty strong foundation at this point. Well, yes. And uh, what is absolutely clear for us in a green way is that the charging infrastructure cannot be a bottleneck for a rollout of electric vehicles. We very much depends on that rollout and we don't want to stop them. We don't want to make excuse for electric vehicles not being on the streets because of the infrastructure. So what we do, basically, we are very carefully looking on a situation, very carefully adopt our plans. And as soon as we see that the EVs are coming to the market, uh, we will speed up and we'll build more infrastructure. We are ready to activate human resources, financial resources, technical resources to deliver the infrastructure on the streets. I know that we need to always be at least one or two steps ahead of the EV rollout, which is okay, and we are ready for that. And uh, uh, we are watching and we are ready to speed up. 
And look, I mean, the fact that we're not all the way there where Norway is or the Netherlands or other you know, leading countries, China, is part of what makes it so exciting to be doing this work. I say that as a Greenway team member. Okay, we'll revisit Slovakia certainly a lot over the future episodes, but now let's move to Hungary, our neighbor to the south, and check out what the electric vehicle and charging situation is like down there. Country's almost 10 million people, double the population of Slovakia, and there are certainly evangelists there as well. Hola. Hi. We've gotten to know one of them pretty well. His name is Tibor Antaloshi. Tibor Antaloshi. I'm an EV driver. He runs a community portal on electric mobility in Hungary, and, and he actually visited us in Bratislava. You know, it's our neighbor, so they come up to travel and visit Bratislava and Vienna and need to charge along the way. So he drove his 40-kilowatt Nissan Leaf up to visit us a few months ago, all 260 kilometers of it. I think when he arrived at our office, he had 4% of his battery pack left, but we had a really nice long discussion and lunch all about e-mobility in the region, and he was able to charge on our 22-kilowatt office charger, and then uh, we topped him up on the fast charger over at Polis Mall before his drive home, so he was able to make it and uh, visit a friend along the way to return to Budapest. So as you can see, electric vehicles really help bring people together. So let's hear directly from Tibor himself. There are about eight and a half thousand electric vehicles, including plug-in hybrids in Hungary. If you go to inner city of Budapest, you will see many electric vehicles and they stand out from the traffic because they have uh, green license plates. So they are very easy to spot. But if you go to the country, they are not so frequent. Eight and a half thousand electric vehicles. That's a pretty large number in this part of the world. What do you think, Peter? Yes, it is. And I think the uh, Hungary is doing very well in terms of the promotion of electric vehicles. The government is doing a good job. And this is a very, very important, in fact, that the communication from the officials are uh, in favor of electric vehicles. And he talked about green license plates. I actually saw his car when it came up and I had it was the first green license plate I'd ever seen. OK, maybe Austria a little bit as well. But this was the first one I'd seen in our region. And he shows up and the license plate is fully green. And it was very clear then, even if you didn't know what a Nissan Leaf was, that this was an electric vehicle which I think was a really cool way to help them stand out and help promote them. So people know, people on the streets who have maybe never even thought about electric vehicles walk by and see the license plate and they're like, oh, that's an EV. Yes, it's a very good communication tool. And uh, one of the reasons is that some people in this region still think that the electric vehicles is something like a golf cart and cannot imagine that it's a real car moving on the street. So therefore, having a green plate is a great idea. Another thing is very practical because if there are other incentives for an electric vehicle, it's very clear that this is electric vehicle and can use these incentives, like, let's say, moving in bus lines. Then as well, people will recognize, well, there is someone who has certain advantage. Maybe they will start thinking. So all this kind of education, all this kind of evangelization is very useful. Yeah, I think this green license plate is a wonderful form of public education. If nothing else, all people need to know is green license plate equals electric vehicle, maybe low emissions vehicle as well. Uh, and same for the traffic officer who's maybe going to give tickets. But if the EV can park somewhere for free or park for longer, then the officer knows not to give that car a ticket. What is as well important is kind of uh, attitude. Because, for example, parking policy. Parking is always a problem everywhere in the world and in every city. And if you reserve a place for parking for electric vehicles, people 
used to ask, okay, why is empty? There's not so many electric vehicles. Why do they do so? Why municipality take one of the very valuable parking place out and reserve it for electric vehicles? And uh, we need to look on it not so much about the obstacle or problem, but we need to look as a statement. We want electric vehicles here. Therefore, we are supporting. Therefore, there is a green place where they can park. They have advantage over other cars. It's a clear statement for me that we wanted to have them here. And drivers can be proud. I think Tibor agrees. It's also an extremely good marketing technique to show off the environmentally friendly vehicles to the public. So uh, many people who are just walking around the streets can see that, oh, these are the cars that go on electricity and have preserved the environment. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, not everyone who is not an EV enthusiast knows a BMW i3 from a Hyundai Ioniq from a Nissan Leaf, right? To them, it might just be another car. And this way, it really calls out that this vehicle is electric. Tibor also has some th- comments about the availability of charging infrastructure and its use or its misuse in Hungary. The problem is that they are not at the right spot and they are not the right type most of the times. So we lack the chargers that would support long distance travels along the highways. And they have most of the DC chargers in inner cities. Those who have the cars are always complaining about the chargers because the chargers are free. People like to overuse them. They like to use the public chargers instead of uh, charging at home. So those people who actually really need the charger often don't find an available charger. But this is going to be fixed when the network operators start to uh, ask money. For the charging sessions. Okay, so the first topic here is placement of chargers. Peter, you run a charging infrastructure services company. How do you decide where to place chargers and what is the right mixture of chargers for given locations? Well, first of all, to understand is that charging of electric vehicle is a little bit more structural problem than getting the gasoline or diesel. You know, in gasoline or diesel, just find a gas station, you get it, and it's, that's it. In terms of electric vehicles, you need to consider the speed of the charging, uh, if it's public or it's at home, or what kind of location, what purpose do you need it, so on and so forth. So therefore, the placement of the charger is a little bit more structural in this respect. So we have different places for different purpose. We have uh, transit locations where the electric vehicle Vehicles stop only for a while and needs to charge very quickly to continue on the road. We have places where electric vehicles can stay overnight. That's uh, so where they really have plenty, plenty of the time to charge the vehicles. And there are places where people are for a while, maybe one hour, two hours. That's one thing to consider how long the people are going to use the infrastructure. Another thing is as well what they want to do during the time. When you come to the gas station, you just want to get a gas and you go out. In case of the charging of electric vehicle, there are probably something you want to do during the charging. So we try to place it in a locations where there is something to do, when there is a possibility to have some kind of shopping, spend the time, useful way. So those both make sense to me. But when you're planning, I mean, a relatively expensive deployment of infrastructure, where do I put a charger? And you look at a, let's say, a shopping mall in a city or a highway location. How do you evaluate the trade-offs there or where to put it? It's always a mix. So it can be said that only the highway locations are good and only the shopping mall locations are good. So you always need to have a mix. And I think it as well depends on the stage of the electromobility or stage of the charging infrastructure in that particular country. So what we did first, we 
had to look on a map and say, okay, we need to have a nationwide network so people can travel all around the country. Therefore, we basically build a basic grid every 80 kilometers having one fast charger. And then we were thinking about, okay, where to place in that place? Best way, ideally, it could be used for transit and it could be used as well by the local people to charge their electric vehicles. So therefore, we try to find locations which meets both of these things. So something which is very close to the highway, that's up to one or two miles, and it's in the same time accessible and reachable by the local people which don't want to go really to the highway and back to charge the vehicle. So it was the first stage, so to cover the whole country. The second stage is to make the network more dense. So you are looking on more locations in the cities. So Tibor raises an interesting point here where he says that even the fast charging is not paid. So people can do fast charging for free. And it seems like they're overusing the fast chargers and not charging at home. What do you think about that? I think that we need to learn from the mistakes made in Western Europe. One of the advantage being a little bit late that you can learn from the mistake of others and you can do your own. And actually, one of the things which is very important is that the infrastructure is from the very beginning is built on very high standard. And standard means that it is online, it can reach it via your mobile phone, it's professionally maintained and so on and so forth. And as well, it's paid. Because having a free infrastructure could be good for very, very beginning just to show that it is there. But honestly, it is a part of the learning process to understand that charging of electric vehicles has some cost. The costs are different in your garage, the costs are different in the street, the costs are different in a fast charger. Important thing is that if you count all these things together, the charging of electric vehicles is still cheaper than driving of a traditional car. But uh, I think having the cost on the services is important in terms of the educating the people about the real impact of electric vehicles and electric mobility. Yeah, this is a major debate in our industry, right? There are other companies that do figure out different cost-share agreements. Uh, we'll talk with some of them in later episodes. And there's countries like Scotland, which subsidize the entire charging infrastructure for their people out of the general fund taxes. So there's different ways, and this is an ongoing debate, but clearly as a private operator, we have our own perspective on this topic. Have you driven uh, EV in Hungary? Mm, no, I didn't. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So it's fascinating to hear what Tibor has to say because he's driven all the way through. So Tibor also has some experiences and comments on destination charging. The government is supporting the purchase of electric vehicles with around uh, 5,000 euros. So if you buy a brand new uh, electric vehicle in Hungary, you get that support from the government. The next big thing is that there was a law that was passed two years ago that requires uh, supermarkets and hypermarkets to install chargers in their parking lots. That's incredible. A law requiring uh, supermarkets and hypermarkets to install chargers and have EV parking in all of their parking lots. You know about that? There are different incentives in these countries regarding the charging infrastructure. I think what is very important is the recognition of the government that the infrastructure is needed and should uh, support development of the infrastructure for electric vehicles. Because as we said today, the electric charging infrastructure cannot be the bottleneck for the EV rollout. So different kind of incentives. I think it's very important to prepare the parking locations for the future infrastructure. So not only having one or two charges there, but uh, having the preparation for easy installation of the future charges almost all parking locations. When you build a new parking lot, it should be ready. 
Well, and this focus on supermarkets and other destinations that people go to where they can spend their time productively and will be for, say, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, is a great focus. Colleague from Barcelona, I heard him say, people should charge where they park, not park where they charge. So if the chargers are in these convenient destinations or places where you're going, you will use that time to charge as well as do your errands. That's very much true. And on the other side, this will bring a revenue to owners of the shopping malls. There are several studies from more developed markets that I think the charger could bring several minutes in average in uh, spending a time in a shopping mall, which obviously brings some revenues to the owner of the shops. I mean, it's a really wonderful set of opportunities that can be opened up by the new uh, electric mobility revolution that's taking place now. So when we look to the future of where Hungary will be, we go back to Tibor. I really hope that we are going to see a network of chargers that uh, support uh, long distance travel. And I see signs that this is going to happen because uh, Mol, the oil company, is uh, installing the DC chargers along the highways. And also the national utility company in Hungary, NKM, is also installing a, a new network of chargers in Hungary. So the two of them together is going to be a huge thing for electric mobility. It's really interesting. And there's a lot starting to happen in the region. Doesn't it seem that way? Yes, it is. I think the electromobility is a global phenomenon and there is a, no difference between countries in terms of perception of the electric vehicles. So It will come, it will come to this region as well, that's for sure. There's so much happening that that was the entirety of our first episode. Thanks so much to Tibor Antaloshi for joining us and weighing in with all those wonderful comments. And thank you, listeners. You've just joined us for our first episode of Electric Avenue. It's really wonderful to be doing this. And as you can see, there's so much to cover here in the Central Eastern European region. So I want to thank my co-host, my boss and founder of Greenway, Peter Bodic, who's working in the trenches of electric mobility every single day. Thank you, Aaron. And Dovidenia. And I also want to thank our absolutely wonderful producer, Katarina Richterova, who's helped us put together these episodes and really kind of leading us towards the light when it comes to podcasting. To everybody else, we really hope you follow us in the future. Give us ideas for future episodes because we want to make this show useful and valuable to you. And we hope you found this one was as well. Our next episode we already have planned, and that's going to be about the Clean Fuels Directive bill being discussed in Brussels. It's really important for the future of air quality, climate change, and the electric vehicle and automotive industries. So tune in. You can reach us at my email at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com or tweet at us at gwoperator.com. Thanks very much. See you next episode. Until then, have a safe electric drive.